Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. Quick reminder for our audience, now that we are doing podcasts for social distancing, the audio might sound a little bit different. Today, my guest is Dr. Carl Southern. He is a resident in emergency and critical care at the University of Florida College of Vet Med. Dr. Southern, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you on. You're my first emergency veterinarian on the podcast. Yeah, we like to expose the students to all different paths and specialties. So I'm really excited to hear more about emergency. Can you start off by telling me where did you get your undergrad degree and what was your major? Sure. So I went to undergrad at Tuskegee University and I actually majored in the pre-vet option after my junior year in undergrad got accepted and so I didn't finish the degree. I just I went just straight through. So you don't have a bachelor's degree? I do now. Okay. Do, but yeah, I got it at the same time. While I was in vet school, I finished up some other classes to get my bachelor's, but Oh. I, I didn't yeah, I, I didn't have a bachelor's at all starting in school. So it was always a joke that the last time I had graduated was high school when I was in vet school. <laughs> was well, a, that's funny. And which vet school did you go to? Tuskegee. So I stayed there for undergrad and vet school. So I was there for a good while. Okay. So you went to vet school and then during vet school, did you think you'd end up in emergency medicine? Oh, no way. No, no, no. So in in school, I actually shied away from emergency. I wanted nothing to do with it. didn't like it. I had no interest in it. It didn't even take the elective. It was an elective course. I didn't even take it. Why were you shying away from it? Uh, the, The real true answer is because we didn't have much exposure to emergency medicine in Tuskegee. It was, an, it was an elective course. Like we had an emergency service, but it really wasn't much of anything, to be honest. Not, we didn't see a lot of cases. Nothing came in after midnight. So it really wasn't a, a, a service, to be honest with you. So you did undergrad and vet school at Tuskegee, shied away from emergency. So then after Tuskegee, what was your next move? Did you do an internship? I did not actually. So I I took a very non-traditional path to get to where I am now. So I finished school and I went to work right, right out of vet school. I went to work in just general practice. So straight from school, no internship, no formal training, straight to work and stayed there for a little over a year and some change in general practice. And then that was in 2011. Then in 2013 is when I decided I'm going to just try emergency. So I applied for an emergency job just because wait, I... Wait, wait, wait. So crazy. explain this to me. If you were crazy. shying away from it, yep. and then now all of a sudden, like how did that moment happen where all of a sudden you're like, I want to try it now? Yep. Exactly. And and to be honest with you, Alex, I don't even know if I have the answer to it. I was I was looking for something else to do. And this is the honest truth. I was like, man, this is, you know, I, I enjoyed my time in general practice, but it got very routine for me. Mm-hmm. And I know we have some great general practitioners and we need more general practitioners. So it's not a bad thing at all. Just talking about me personally here. I just got routine. So I was looking for job applications, honestly. And I saw that there was a an opening for an emergency clinician. And I applied for it and they honestly told me when I applied that typically we don't hire 
clinicians without an internship, but they were desperate for, for some help. <laughs> it's the honest truth. And I was like, I'll try it. You know, I can, I can probably make this work. And that's how I fell into emergency medicine in 2013. Just, wow. Just trying it out. And was that, were you in Alabama? I know that at some point you guys lived in Texas. When, where was this emergency clinic? That was in Houston. Yep. That was, okay. My first job was in Houston. So general practice was in Houston. And then I switched to emergency medicine in Houston. Uh, how did you end up in Houston? Like, how my did you? Job. Yeah. So Just my first job. Yep. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you were open to opportunity. Oh, yeah. All yep. right. So students, we like students who are open to opportunities. And if you've listened to the podcast at all, you've heard every single veterinarian say that they ended up somewhere they didn't expect. And the reason that probably happened is because they were open to it. Yeah. Uh, I like that Dr. Southern found a position because they were desperate. Like when, you know, take the opportunity, people yeah. take it. Okay. So you end up doing emergency. Mm -hmm. When did you, in that job, were you like, this is for me? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's exactly what happened. When I started it, it was like, a steep learning curve because you, you can only imagine like I, I didn't have much of an emergency background in school had no training on emergency anything I just went from general practice to emergency so it was a steep learning curve and that actually is what I enjoyed was I was constantly learning something new different procedures new ways of doing things different medications and drugs and everything it was just constantly seeing something new and I stayed there in Houston for we left in 2016 so um that was 2013 to 2016 yeah the three years mm -hmm. of learning without right. the formal internship training right correct okay. yep and and it was mainly all nights weekends holidays and that's oh, that's God. just the way yeah that's just the way it is as as in emergency you you, you get some daytime but majority of your shifts are going to be overnights going to be holidays and you're going to be weekends. You mentioned nights, weekends, and holidays, and I tell pre-vet students a lot when they're like, I need to find pre-vet volunteer experience. I'm always like, why don't you call an emergency clinic? Because they're open all the time. Do you think that's good advice? Yeah, yeah, I, I honestly do. And even if they're not, you know, interested, don't know anything about emergency, just to get some hours and shadow and experience. Okay, so now when did you end up at an internship? Yeah, so when we we end up moving from Houston to North Carolina because my wife got a residency, I felt myself like not practicing the type of medicine I wanted to. Okay. So coupled that with knowing that if I were to specialize, I wouldn't necessarily work as many nights, holidays, and weekends. Could have more of a daytime schedule because my wife and I wanted to have a family with children. So all those things put together is what made me entertain the idea of, you know, specializing. And I initially just applied for residencies. So I, I without an internship. Without an internship. Because the way the match reads is, you know, they have equivalent on there. So if right. you have an equivalence of, of you know years in practice will equate to an internship. So because you had done general practice and you'd worked in an emergency facility for mm -hmm. four plus years, you mm -hmm. kind of did the equivalent of the one-year internship. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I applied through match the first time for a residency and I did not match. And everywhere I applied, honestly, gave me positive feedback. They're like, we do have a great background. We like, you know, your personality, everything, your, all your reference letters are great. 
you just don't have any formal internship training. That was the one comment that everybody had. Interesting. So, yeah. So when I didn't match, I actually got offered a position outside of the match here at University of Florida for their specialty internship in just emergency and critical care. And, and that's how I accept, that's how I got into my internship. I'm sure you're going to tell me in a second that doing the year internship was great and you learned a lot. I, I, I assume you're going to tell me that, but I do want to say for students, like the fact that you did have, you know, four plus years of other experience and you kept getting that, no, we want the internship. Students, sometimes you just have to play the game. And yep. sometimes people have these, these, I don't want to say barriers set up or obstacles, but there are like checkpoints that some people want you to, yeah, some people are going to want you to make. And it might not make sense. And you might be sitting back and be like, no, I know I can do this. But if you want a position and other people are in charge of it, you kind of have to do what they say you have to do. My understanding of internships is that's a tough year in general. Like intern life is hard. So it describe is. an internship in emergency and critical care. Describe it for me in like one sentence. What was it like? Uh, so it was a very long, intense tough but enjoyable year i say enjoyable because that's the way i made it okay okay it is what you make it yeah for sure i'm all about if you can't get out of it get into it yep. so like if and students i would just love it if all of you would adopt this mentality you know especially during things like covid and everything that's going on in the country like we can't get out of some of this so let's get into it let's be enthusiastic yep. let's try to make yep. things work it was it was fun though like it was it, at times it got overwhelming, I'm not going to say that, I'm not going to lie about that, it was definitely overwhelming at times, but the amount of things that I learned that I didn't ever, I was like, I, I can do this, you know, I've already learned all these things, mm. I learned so much <laughs> week one. Yeah, right. I didn't even know I was going to learn, week one. Can you break down for me, how does emergency interact with ICU and PCW? Can you yeah. tell what those departments are and how those three function together? Sure. Yep. So we'll, we'll just start with the emergency service. So all the, anything that comes in through the door, let's say it just, it's a walk-in emergency. Uh -huh. It's going to come in and it's going to stay in that, you know, our little triage area. This is how it's set up here at the University of Florida. There's different setups for different places. Okay. They'll come in, they'll be in our triage area and let's say it, it gets admitted. So we're going to keep this animal now. Mm -hmm. Then it decides, okay, is it critical or unstable enough, or does it need that level of monitoring and care where it needs to be moved to ICU? We're going to have an extra set of eyes on it. It has a little bit more involved, a little, needs a little bit more of the attention and care. Okay. That's how they'll get moved to ICU versus PCW, where it's more stable. You're not going to be checking on it as often. It's a patient where, you know, eight hours can go by and, and you haven't really looked at it or done much with it. It's getting, you know, just some basic care, uh -huh. things like a fracture or, you know, things that are just kind of not really critical or urgent. Okay. And in the ICU, they're going to get a little bit more attention. So they get checked on more frequently. They might, they might have vitals that are changing every so often. They might need a recheck exam like three or four times a night, things like that. Okay. How we break them down. Okay, so what I hear you saying is emergency, you could be acting right then if it's an actual, like, we must attack this right now. 
Mm -hmm. ICU, intensive care unit, that's for animals who need to be checked on more consistently. Things are not quite right. PCW, progressive care ward, is for animals who are a little more stable and they can have more time in between checks. Right. Can you describe emergency and critical care in three words? Ooh. <laughs> um, so, I hate to say fast paced, but it, it, so three words would be, um, efficient, mm. fast paced, and continuous. And the reason I say continuous is things are always changing. Yeah. Yeah. I like efficient because we always, I always ask the veterinarians, like, tell me about a personality type that would do well in this specialty. So I feel like there's a certain kind of human that needs to be an emergency. Like it, to me, it's not integrative where it's like, well, let's try this, yeah. this, this. And we kind of have, they might have time on their side a little bit, like an emergency. It's literally, and I mean, I have to assume that some people bring their animals in that it's not an emergency. Oh, for like, sure. For right? sure. <laughs> you, I'm sure you see, and I, I'm going to want to ask you about some clients, but I'm sure you see some things come <laughs> in and you're like, I don't need to touch this animal right now. Let's talk about the typical cases we might see in emergency, I have to imagine that you do see some things often. Yeah. What are those, tell me the three cases you see the most in emergency. Vomiting and diarrhea is number one. Okay. You're going to see, you're bound to every single shift get some form of vomiting or diarrhea. Yeah. And yeah. that's probably your number one thing you're going to see. Okay. Um, the next thing you probably see is um like they'll call it lethargy or not acting right just being off so something mm -hmm. just something is wrong they can't even pinpoint what it is they're just my dog's not acting right they call it adr or you know ain't doing right oh, okay okay acronym yeah. yeah so that would be your 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 two off the, off the top vomiting diarrhea you know not acting like himself and then i would say after the third one would probably be a true emergency whether it's you know, something that, you know, it's a, they, they ate something toxic okay. or, or they're, um, they're I got, like hit by a car. Yeah. You, you see hit by cars. You will. You, they, they, they come very frequently and okay. it's a frequent emergency. They're not all ones that are like unstable and critical, but we do see a good number of hit by cars. Okay. Could, that could be a good, easily could be a third, a third one for sure. What are your favorite cases to see walk in the door? Which ones are you like, yes, it's going to be a good day? Oh, man, it's changed so much now. Um, I really like things that I can fix and, and send away. Okay. So, like it, uh, toxicities, toxicities that I can like make them throw it up and get them out of here. Yeah foreign like a foreign body in the stomach make them throw it up and get them out or scope it out uh -huh. i i like i love being in the icu but when i'm on er i like to keep things moving i don't like doing long workups and diagnostics and drawing things i like to keep keep the pace moving treat yes. what they're there for yes and get them out yes so I, I like those type cases where they come in yeah, he he you know he's he's throwing up we do some diagnostics figure out he's got a foreign body yeah. Get it out. Right. And like, just move them on. I don't want to make this about me, but I feel like that's what I would like about emergency. I don't like long-term projects. I no. like 
something is wrong. Let me fix it. Let me consult yes. on it and never talk to you again. And I think never see you again, never see you again. Like be the cool aunt or the fairy godmother, <laughs> save the day and then say goodbye. Yeah. And for sure. that is different than let's say I'll mention integrative again, because you might have a patient for years that you're oh, yeah. trying to help rehab. So yeah. would we say that that's something that's specific to emergency? Like you're not necessarily becoming close with these clients and these patients. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of us that get into emergency are for that reason. We don't want clients. Like I yes. want to see you today and I don't want to see you again. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's a good thing for students to recognize. And students, you will not know this until you've been in practice long enough to experience it. But if you know you're the kind of person who doesn't really want to make strong relationships with clients and patients, emergency might be a great fit for them, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. That's really so the student who loves relationships, GP. Oh yeah. You see a puppy from you give him start a puppy all the way until he you know an old old dog yeah. The client communication for emergency is different. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how you handle a client coming in, whether it's good news, bad news. I have to imagine it can get very expensive in emergency. Yeah. How do you handle client communications? So I, I honestly keep it on what they're there for. So, and I, I make sure to stay focused. So if they come in for being hit by a car, yeah, and I make sure to focus on that from beginning to end. Yes, they might have other issues, but if they're not relevant or life-threatening or pertinent to this visit, I don't bring them up. I don't talk about their diet. I don't right. talk about their vaccines. Yeah. I don't go through any of those things. I focus on why they're there and I, and I make sure I'm being as concise and accurate with them, yeah. especially if it's an unstable patient. So I, I, I lead with it. I, I lead with, hey, we know he was hit by a car. Right now, I'm concerned that he's unstable. And I give him the reason why. Uh -huh. Whether he's, where he's having difficulty breathing, whether he's bleeding somewhere, whether he has a broken leg or whatever it might be, I lead with that. And I stay focused on that with the client because you have to reel them back in. They're going to get lost. They're going to start... Right going on about different things and it's, it's your job to make sure you keep them on task and and on point with what's going on because they're gonna the things are gonna change quickly uh -huh. brought up the estimate so you have to make sure that you give them a pretty accurate estimate early on because yeah. you don't want to make a big bill for them and then say oh wait we're at you know fifteen hundred dollars and we only talked about an, an exam fee of 130. right okay yeah so you have to stay tunnel visioned with what is going on, but you also have to be broad with that estimate. So they're not shocked with a huge bill at the end of the day. Right. right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, let's talk about crazy clients. Oh, so <laughs> what are some of the things that you see for fun anecdotal stories of like, yeah, this happens. Like what are, what are some things that come to mind in the ER with the clients? probably the funniest thing is how people come in. So, you know, it's an emergency to them. Whether it's an emergency or not, it's an emergency to them. So they drop yeah. everything and they come. They come with no shoes. They come <laughs> with no shirt. They, they come in their pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. This is what the people come in. You get a good laugh of how they come in. And they'll tell you, I, I, we get this all the time. I left home and didn't even grab my wallet or my purse. Like, they can't oh. even pay for anything. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's funny like that's probably one of the biggest thing is how they come in and then you'll get the people who who come in and they don't know anything about the animal. Oh um, yes. 
Yep. They're like, oh, I just, I just brought, my wife told me to bring him. I don't even know this dog. It's, it's oh. my wife's dog. Yes. <laughs> and we're like, well, why did you come? Like, who can we right. talk to? Can we talk right. to your wife, please? It's, it's, it's funny. Now, however, the opposite of that is like you said, the client who comes in with no shoes, no shirt, and they want service. But to me, that means they really love that animal. And right. they're like, I have to do this. So that you probably see both sides. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. And you do have to have a sense of humor, I have to imagine, in all that, Ned. But talk to me about keeping things light. I have to imagine y'all do a lot, see a lot of euthanasia. For sure. Talk me through how how students should start thinking about euthanasia, how it becomes maybe like it is the normal, but maybe it never quite feels right. Like, talk to me about euthanasia. Yeah. So in in the emergency setting, you, you get euthanasias for a couple of reasons you might get something that we call a walk-in euthanasia. Someone literally comes to you just to euthanize their animal. It could be in the middle of the night because uh-huh. their regular vet is closed and they had a, this is what happens a lot. They have a scheduled appointment to go to their regular vet for euthanasia. Their animal declines in the middle of the night. It's worse uh-huh. and they don't want it to suffer and die throughout the night. So they'll bring yeah. it in us literally just to euthanize the animal. We'll see okay. a lot of that. Okay. And you'll and do that, that, right? Yeah, for sure. Like that's, that's a, that's an excellent client service thing to offer. Okay. You know, we, we don't, we really don't, typically don't ask them many questions. We okay. don't, we don't, uh, and you'll try and talk them out of it. Okay. We don't really, we just grant their wish. Like most times I'll ask them, I'll tell the client this, I'll say, just briefly tell me what's going on with them just for, you know, a record standpoint, just so I can have something to document. Sure. And, and they'll tell me in, in two or three words, and I say that's more than enough. And, and I proceed. Like, I don't even have them like break down everything that's going on. Yeah. Just grant their wish. It's a, it's a great client service thing to do. Okay. We'll see euthanasias for, um, for cases that end up needing to euthanize. So, that hit by car or that really bad dog fight or mm. other bad trauma. Yeah. And whether it's for lack of finances, you know, a, a case that needs, you know, has a, $3,500 bill and they don't have that amount of money Yeah. or they have all the money in the world and the animal is just has a very poor prognosis and it's not going to make it for whatever the reason might be. Right. Asia, again, that's what we, what we're here for. We recommend it and we know the prognosis is poor and we know the outcome is not going to favor the animal. Yeah. That option to euthanize them. So it's definitely something that we do a lot of. In emergency medicine, you do a lot of euthanasias, and you don't get used to it. Okay, it just becomes something that you you know is gonna be a part of your day, and it, it happens that frequently. Does it help to get used to it or get make it part of your day, knowing that you really are doing what's best for that animal in that moment? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like if you, the the last thing you want to do is is watch an animal literally suffer and die because some clients just won't euthanize which that's their their right you know prerogative and it could the the worst case is like a respiratory case where they're like struggling to breathe you're doing everything you can for them and the clients are like i don't want to euthanize i i don't want to do it and we don't recommend like ventilation and things like that they're just kind of doing the best we can with oxygen other things and they literally die that way it's it's a it's a thing that we hate to see and we talk to them about euthanasia but when they tell you like look i i don't want to euthanize my animal right I, I don't believe in it or i don't want to do it right we don't bring it back up we just do our best to make sure that animal is comfortable and it's yeah. and it's 
well taken care of, but that's something that you can definitely say if you offer euthanasia or you're comfortable euthanizing an animal, it's a benefit to that animal to not watch them suffer. You did your one year internship, now you're in your residency. Tell me the differences for you mm -hmm. from an internship and a residency. What are the main differences? Um, so the main differences are I'm expected to know a lot more. I have a lot more responsibilities. Okay. I've, I've um, been expected to like take that level of knowledge and learning and also reading and training myself to the, the next level to think about being on a specialist level. Okay. A lot of that and then responsibilities too. So you have, you know, interns, other interns that you're responsible for, residents, and um, depending on what service you're on, you might be on with other residents, you might be on with other faculty members. And students, and, right? And always students. Yeah. Always students. And students are the ones that'll give you the most questions and give you the most challenging things you like. Well, I don't know, but let's go find it because students have the questions that nobody else thinks of. Right. Yeah. Now you said that you wanted to stay in academia. Is the reason to want to stay in academia because you love teaching and you love students? Is that your reason? Yep. That's exactly right. So I always think about how my, like when I was in vet school, how we didn't have emergency and critical care. We had, we had a search, but it was just, it just wasn't there. It wasn't, wasn't thriving and big and productive. So I, I definitely want to, wherever I end up in an academic setting, I want to make sure that I'm able to teach the students and give back to them in that aspect. Dr. Southern, break down for me, a student should consider emergency if they blank, if they're, talk to me about personality and talk to me about activities that they like. Um, so personality is one that, and there's a, there's a ton of different personalities, but literally your personality type, the people who do with it are ones that kind of have a short-term memory. So ones that, don't get too invested and involved. Yeah. This, that doesn't mean that you don't provide great patient care. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that you're not like literally attached to your patient because you're going to see it for a minute and then it's going to be gone. Right. The, the, the opposite side of that, when you're, on, when you're in the ICU, you might have them for a few days in ICU, yeah. but really once they discharge or they go to a different service, they're gone. They're no longer your patient. So kind of not, not getting too attached. Um, and it's their personality type. So we do a lot of procedures, whether it's laceration repairs for dog fights. Mm -hmm. There's plenty, plenty of emergency doctors, not even just criticalists, but people who haven't specialized that do a lot of surgery. Right. When I was, when I was doing my emergency, not, not specializing, I did a lot of surgery, soft tissue surgeries from, you know, GDV surgery, so bloat, foreign body removals, cystotomies for bladder stones, C-sections, C-sections, and C-sections. <laughs> you always get C-sections. In the middle of the night, there's some puppy that ends up, some dog ends up not being able to pass its puppies, and you yeah. end up doing C-sections. So an emergency doctor and or a criticalist, they definitely should have some, some level of comfort and some enjoyability of being in surgery. Okay. Whether it's in a, a simple procedure like a laceration, or more involved, like one of those things I just described. Yeah. And I think that they also should um, want to know about like pathophysiology of how things work from drug medications. You know, okay, you, yeah. Which, which drugs to use and why. 
Right. Isn't pain management probably huge in emergency? Huge, huge. huge. So that analgesia, that 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 proper pain management is major. So knowing what to mix and how and when and and why, and it comes with time. You're not going to get it out of the gate in school. It just comes with time. But that that proper pain management is huge, 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 huge. So the students then who should not consider, well, obviously students keep open-minded, right? But in general, they should not consider emergency. What I'm hearing is if they really want to connect with patients and clients, that's probably not their specialty <laughs> choice. Long-term at least, yes. Long-term. If they hate surgery, oh, probably yeah. not going to love it. <laughs> yep. What about personality? Like what kind of student is it like, mm, this is not your fit? A student who, who's like, they're so detailed. Like they literally... They're, they're, when they come with a history and their history, I, we're still talking about history 10 minutes later. I'm like, right. I thought we were just here for vomiting. And I literally asked them, so what are they here for again? Yeah. Like, I, can't, I, I literally forgot what they're there for. The ones that are going so detailed. Wow. Like an internist. Um, internists like go back for the entire history yeah. of the puppy until now. And they break all that down in the diet, yeah. what they're eating. It's just, it's just all pertinent info. We on emergency simply don't care. Right. It's it's what they came in for. Yeah, exactly. So things wow. that wanna like are very, very detailed in that aspect. Because you gotta be detailed for emergency, but detailed as far as going past why they're here for this visit. Do you think but, part of that is just this training that they get as students to get a very thorough history? And it's like, wait a second, every specialty, every area can approach history in a different way. Yes, that's 100% it. Like, they just have to retrain themselves that when I'm on the emergency and critical care service, right. you need this long, convoluted history. And, and the, there's an intern that's somewhere listening to this, like, yeah, that's the way I have to go back and do all your history for you. I'm sure they do. Like, I'm, I'm sure they do, but we literally just do not. We don't go that far back because we just, it's just too much. It's not enough time for it. Right, right. And that should be the, the other thing that someone who enjoys doing emergency is they should be good with time management. Yes. We thought about that earlier, but time management, because yeah. you're going to have to balance and juggle and do multiple things at, at the same time. Dr. Southern, I have really enjoyed learning more about emergency medicine from you. Yeah. We always ask our veterinarian, what advice do you have for pre-vet students what do they need to hear from you as they approach this journey so students who are trying to get into vet school this is the advice i always give i say the same thing over and over and over and over because it's it's, it's the best advice is find a great mentor you just got to get a mentor who is willing to take you under their wing and help you get to where you want to be and that's going to be the biggest thing. Like for, I always tell students this: like you doesn't doesn't have to be someone who who is like currently in veterinary. It can be an older veterinarian, but right. just someone who's willing to help you matriculate through that process. Mentorship is is major before you even get in school and in, in, into vet school. And if there's students listening to this podcast and you want a mentor, you need a mentor. Look me up. <laughs> more than happy more Dr. than Dr. happy I have hundreds of students <laughs> it's fine yes it's 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 easier now with zoom and phones and like you said it doesn't have to be email like we can right. we can communicate a million different ways
Dr. Southern, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Of course, thanks for having me. Do you have a shift tonight? Like, when is your next shift? Uh, so I worked last night. I got off at six this morning. Oh. And I'm back on tonight at 6 p.m. again. Well, thanks for taking time out of that crazy schedule. <laughs> Emergency schedule sounds crazy, but like we talked about, for some people, they'll thrive and they'll really enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon.